You are listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Welcome to The Game Plan Podcast on the Raiders Podcasting Network. Week 7, Sunday, October 25th, Sunday Night Football. As the 4-2 and two Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in Las Vegas to take on the 3-2 and two Raiders. That's a 5:20 Pacific time start at Allegiant Stadium, prime time, Sunday night football. And when the schedule came out, everybody, I said, just my opinion, this is the biggest game of the year, period. And that says a lot because the Raiders are coming off their biggest regular season win, I think, in years. I'm talking years dating back to their 12-4 and run in 2016 and Derek Carr as an MVP candidate. The win at Arrowhead, beating Kansas City heading into the bye week, had so many great things go for it that the momentum of that Raider win heading into the bye week and coming out of it and going into Tampa Bay makes this a marquee game. So I don't know what game you picked as the game of the year. It might have been Monday night against Drew Brees. It might be Kansas City on the road or at home. To me, this is the big one. The greatest football player of all time, and I say that confidently, is Tom Brady. He's definitely the greatest quarterback of all time, and he's coming into Vegas, and I would bet that he'll never play in Vegas again. There's a one game for him, and Brady's going to want to play big, and he's going to want to win. And this is going to be the ultimate test for the Raiders to show up at home. Can you imagine if the Raiders beat Kansas City at Arrowhead and then Tom Brady back-to-back? You could not draw up a bigger scenario this year. I'm just saying, I'm not in the prediction business. I don't predict scores. We just give you a podcast as we look at the upcoming opponent. But follow me for a second. If the Raiders beat Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead and Tom Brady at home, you will not find two back-to-back wins that are bigger than that. You'd have to go back to Gannon and the Super Bowl run. This has a chance to be special. Let's quickly do what we do and go back to the last game where Darren Waller got going in that game, which to me was really important. Waller can't take games off. He's got to be productive in all of them. Here he is finding the end zone. Motioning rugs over to the left side of the formation. Carr's going to throw. Fires. Caught. Touchdown. Waller grabs it in the back of the end zone. Jackpot. Vegas touchdown. He's so important. It's so important to get Waller going because it opens up everything else. But I thought the key story, other than Carr's performance, was Henry Ruggs III, a back being healthy. He had two receptions for 118 yards in this score. Carr's going to go back into the gun, take the snap from Hudson. Chiefs rush five. Carr's going for the home run ball. Got a man open. It's Ruggs. There he is. Ruggs. Touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Jackpot. Vegas leads it. Can't keep up with Mr. Ruggs when he gets deep. And John Gruden, that's a way to call a play. Go for it. On third down and one. What a comeback for Derek Carr after that interception. Try to keep up with Ruggs. I'd love to see Ruggs and Tyreek Hill in a foot race. We beat you, Tyreek. You can't catch this guy. He's too fast. 72-yard touchdown. Nice call by the godfather, Brent Musburger. Car on the day, 23 of 31, 347 yards, three touchdowns, only one interception. He outplayed Patrick Mahomes, and it was great to see Carr finish off the game. They need inches for a first down. Carr is up underneath center with Hudson. 
They need to burrow straight ahead. All they need is inches to seal this win. Two minutes. Car's got it. Car's got it. Got in behind Hudson. There's no doubt about it. First down and 10. Run that clock down toward 150 now. What a beautiful thing this is to watch the time run out on the Chiefs in Kansas City. There it is. They win. They beat Kansas City 40-32, to and I think it's the signature win of Derek Carr's career. It really is. I mean, Derek Carr led a team to the playoffs, but he was injured in his injury year. Uh, this was the game that he needed to win. He had a win. He got his first win at Arrowhead. Really happy for Derek Carr, who needed to knock this off his list, and he did it in an impressive fashion. No, no fights. No fights. I didn't want Chucky to come out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've taken a lot of a lot of – Sad walks up that ramp. You see what I'm saying? Um, but not today. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this one. <laughs> Again, congratulations to Derek. He got a lot of uh, praise for that win, deservingly so. Now we get ready for Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay had maybe one of the top, I'd say top five biggest wins of the year in their win this past Sunday at home to Green Bay, 38-10. to 10. That game, along with the Raiders win at Kansas City, could be two of the top five games this year. Do we all agree? The Raider win was huge. They beat the Super Bowl champs, gave them their first loss. But how about Tampa Bay? They were trailing Green Bay 10 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. They put up 28 in the second quarter, 38 unanswered, and won 38 to 10. I mean, I could spend the entire podcast just talking about that. I watched this game twice. I watched it live, and I went back and watched it in preparation for this game plan podcast. They were spectacular in this game. This was a Super Bowl-type performance in every way that you can see it. And Brady, Brady only threw for 166 yards and two touchdowns, but he got Gronk going again. Gronk had five receptions for 78 yards, and he's back with this touchdown. Here's the snap on third and six. Lob pass toward the end zone. Gronkowski, he makes the catch. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. What a great grab by Gronk. Holy Gronkamoli. The box score a touchdown with a minute two to go. Bucks radio on the call. So let's talk about Tampa Bay before our guests join us. And here's what jumps out at me. This was their defining game. Defining game so far under Bruce Arians and especially defensive coordinator Todd Bowles, former head coach of the Jets. When they were down 10-0, Bowles called a meeting on the sideline. Quote, we're respecting those guys too much. This comes from linebacker Devin White. Quote, they got to earn our respect and play them honest. Just be ball hawks and go after them. And I think once he said that, he kind of gave everyone the green light to make plays. This is all they're talking about in Tampa Bay this week. Some type of Super Bowl Chucky when they went went and won the Super Bowl on how something clicked, and they ended up having that moment, and they were exceptional in the game. I mean, this team is absolutely loaded. They actually called off the dogs on Aaron Rodgers. How do you think Aaron Rodgers feels? Aaron Rodgers threw for 160 yards and two interceptions in this game. And at the end of the game, the Bucs were laughing on the sidelines, and his 45.7% completion percentage was the third lowest in a game in Aaron Rodgers' 185 career starts. They're incredible. So they had a great game. Indomitian Sue was intimidating Rodgers. They brought this rivalry. Remember, for years, Green Bay would be going into Tampa Bay and just laugh at him. 
There'd be like 30,000, 40,000 Green Bay fans at the old Sombrero. They'd laugh at them. And now Tampa Bay said not in our house. So they're coming in, playing at such a high level, it concerns me. Because the Raiders played great. They had a bye week. They needed it. There are COVID concerns. We'll get to that, and we guide you to Raiders.com on all the updates with COVID protocol as we record this podcast. But looking back at this game, the Raiders now have their hands full. As much as some people were surprised that the Raiders beat Kansas City, I was more surprised with the way Tampa Bay beat Green Bay. They humiliated them. They humiliated a team that was undefeated, and they rubbed their nose in it, and they did it with their physicality, and the Raiders are going to have to be ready. Man, this Tampa Bay defense, they are first in run defense, and they rank first on defense in total yards by allowing only an average of 282 per game. First in run defense, second in sack percentage, seventh in points allowed, only 20.3, sixth in passing yards allowed, 217, and they're tied for second in sacks with 22 in sixth in yards per pass attempt at 6.9. And this is concerning to me. As I tweeted out, Rondé Barber, one of their former players and legends, John Gruden talks about Rondé Barber all the time. He went on the record and said this was one of the greatest games he's ever seen the Bucs play. Ever seen him play. Here's the quote. Quote, it was as good as I've ever seen. So Tampa Bay in Vegas for Sunday night football. They are legit, and they need to be stopped. Uh, Jones, the running back, 23 carries, 113 yards and two touchdowns. Ronald Jones has had three games with over 100 yards in a row. And the other thing that jumps out at me is that they only give up 64 yards a game when it comes to their defense and their run defense. So what is Josh Jacobs going to do? How will Josh Jacobs be able to run the football in this game? Will the Raiders be able to do what they need to do? Raiders come in with their total offense ranked sixth with 399 yards of offense. That's really good. Rush offense really strong, 13th at 121. So their stats are looking good. Third down efficiency, 52.3. That's second in the entire NFL. That's incredible. But the Raider defense, which is a work in progress, they got to figure it out in this one. Total defense is ranked 24th. Tampa Bay 1. Rush defense 126.8. Ranked 22nd. The Bucks ranked number 1. So these are two different defenses. So there's a lot to go here with. I think the Raiders are poised to win this game because they're coming off a great game. And they're getting healthier. But there are concerns still around this roster. And the Buccaneers got all their weapons ready to go. All their weapons ready to go. And they're going to have to play an unbelievable, outstanding game against the Tampa Bay team that is walking around believing that they're going to win the Super Bowl. And that's what Tom Brady does. And Derek Carr is going to have to play great. Tom Brady's 43 years old, everybody. 43. Raiders aren't facing Tom Brady at 36, 29, 24. They got an older Brady. And this defensive pass rush is going to have to be absolutely stellar for the Raiders to win this game. And the Raiders know that, so the Raiders went out and they made a signing to upgrade their pass rush because Malik Collins, who is practicing, and some of the players that remain out, Mike Mayock has been working hard to try to tighten this roster here over the last couple of days heading into this game. 
And I think that is really important. David Irving comes in, a pass rusher, and whenever he's ready to go, that adds more depth at that position, which has been a weakness. We've been seeing good play by Mad Max. Clee Farrell is playing better. And I'll tell you, Littleton and Kwiatkowski better show up in this game because the Bucks have two of the best linebackers in all of football. There's a lot of bulletin board material, everybody, on the Game Plan Podcast. This is a team coming in. Derek Carr should be pissed off because a lot of people said Brady was going to Vegas. I wasn't one of them, but he was here for an MMA fight. Dana White brought him into town. I remember that. There was a picture of Marcel Reese and and Mark Davis talking to Brady. Why wouldn't you? They were sitting ringside right next to the octagon, and a lot of people flared up. What was the future of Derek? What is Derek going to look like? Well, Derek is an MVP candidate this year. And if Carr can play and beat Mahomes, Mahomes and Brady back-to-back, we'll be talking about Derek at a completely different level. This, to me, is the biggest game of the year for the Las Vegas Raiders in their brand-new market. Well, we're uh, listening to the league, and they're advising us on what to do. Trent Brown is not here today. Uh, His status is unknown. We had to send uh, five of our starting linemen home today um, because they – had a tracer. I guess they were around Trent. I can't get into things any more than that, but uh, hopefully we'll get some players back tomorrow or for Sunday. So we kick off the game plan with one of the greatest defensive backs of all time, the Hall of Famer, the Super Bowl champion, the nine-time Pro Bowler, and my teammate. I host a show with him on NFL Radio, Silver and Black Radio. Mike Haynes joins us. Good to talk to you again, Mike. Uh, good to be with you again, JT. Hey, Mike, you notice I brought you in for the Tom Brady game. You notice I brought, I brought you in for the big one, and I, and I want to start with that. Did you ever think, because you've been around football your whole life, and knowing Joe Montana and all the other legends in the Hall of Fame, did you ever think there'd be someone who could come along and be better than all of them? Because it looks like Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Well, I, I've been saying that for quite a long time, really, believe it or not, J.T., um, he's just been incredible, unbelievable career that he's had, and it's because he worked so hard. I, I'm, if you'll remember, I used to work at the NFL, and we were trying to grow the game and uh, working on those kinds of issues, and I came up with the idea of having Tom Brady speak on one of those shows like over in Europe, like, say, the equivalent of the Johnny Carson show or something like that. And when I talked to, to Brady's agent, this was like um, 10 days or two weeks after the Super Bowl, I said, um, I want to talk to him about you know, going to Europe to do this. And they said, oh, it's too late. He's already working on the next season. Mm. I'm going, what? There's no celebration at all. You know, if it is, it's a, you know, a, a every day a little bit of a celebration. So he's a special kind of guy, and his goals are obviously super high, um, and he's willing to fight for those goals. And you so, pl- no, I'm not surprised that he's had this kind of success at all. Well, when you came to the Patriots and highly acclaimed and right into the league, you were the defensive rookie of the year in 1976. You ended up being the NFL defensive uh, player of the year in 1984, the NAA defensive player of the year. So you, you came into the league at a high level and got thrown into the fire. And then at the back end of your career, you were exceptional. When you saw these great quarterbacks and they came up on the schedule in front of you, did it change you with your preparation, your intensity on game day when you were going up against these soon-to-be Hall of Famers? Oh, absolutely it did. And, uh, and really, 
Um, the difference, be, my experience with the, the Patriots and the Raiders, where when I was on the Patriots, we played a lot of zone, and we were experts at zone coverage. We played man, don't get me wrong. But when I was on the Raiders, they felt our man coverage was so good. When in doubt, instead of go zone, let's go man. And so um, because we were doing that, now you know for sure the quarterback only is going to get so much time before that ball has to come out or, or he's going to get sacked. So I would be really wrapped up into our game plan. When the coaches are putting it in on Wednesday, you know, I'm sitting there listening super intently because I'm wondering if that guy runs this route and we have the wrong defense on, man, I better be in, I better not be tired at all. <laughs> it's going to be a tough day. So I'm into the game plan. I want to know what the coaches are going to do. And I love what the defensive coordinators used to say. And I've been really blessed to have a lot of great defensive coordinators. It would take too long to go through all their names. But uh, they'd say, we're going we're gonna to blitz his ass. We're going to um, give him a look that he's not used to. We're going to play off and then come up late. We're going to play up and then come off late. We're going to do all these different things. And then we're going to run X in all these different line you know, charges and stuff. We're going to do stuff that they haven't seen before. And quite honestly, I think well, the reason the Raiders, we had so much success uh, on, on, our, on our defense is because most teams in the league played zone, and we played man, and they didn't know how to react, and they didn't know what to what the re- receiver didn't know what to do if he, he was supposed to be three yards inside the hash, and he's outside the numbers because he can't get inside out of that man-to-man coverage, then it's a sack, or the quarterback's going to make a bad decision. So um, we love going man-to-man, but now things have changed, and teams use man-to-man. Coaches are used to it. They're used to the zone as well. And so, but if, if, we, if, if we could do something that Tom Brady's never seen before, that'd be a good way to make it a tough day for him because he won't be able to make the adjustment until halftime. <laughs> Mike Haynes joins us. And, Mike, just like we did on our Wednesday night NFL radio show and going into this game Sunday night in primetime, the one reason I really wanted to talk to you was about Brady's ability to calmly change the play. I've said it all week on radio that, you know, Peyton Manning yells, Omaha, Omaha, he changes the play. Everybody looks at Peyton as maybe being the greatest. And I thought it was Montana because Montana quietly would wink to Jerry Rice. He would look to Taylor. And it was much more subtle. And Brady reminds me of that. He breaks the huddle. He looks for the weakness. He says, okay, Gronk's going to be double team. I'm off that. I'm looking for my slot receiver. When he was with New England, it was Julian Edelman, Wes Welker. Or he'll work off a, a passing play and an audible to a running play to the strong side. What would you do as a corner? When you were sensing that a legend like Brady nowadays is changing the play, how do you quickly communicate to a player like Jonathan Abram or a guy like Trayvon Mullen now and say, hey, you see something, the great Mike Haynes, how can we quickly react to this? Because this is what Brady's going to do to the Raiders on Sunday night. Yeah, well, we really have to get off the field, and that would be our goal. Is like somehow, some way, that's a super – famous saying uh, on the Raiders in our era, somehow, some way, we got to make it happen. we got to get a stop. And so when we do, when we get to the sideline, that's when we try to coordinate and get everything worked out. Because you, if I turn to, the, you know, turn to the safety and said something, I'm not even sure he heard me. He's reading my lips because he's so far away and the crowd is so loud. Um, so those kinds of things are really hard to change during or while you're on the field. It's possible when you're off the field 
and at halftime, and that's really it. Mike Haynes, as we wrap it up, Mike, the, the game for the Raiders over Kansas City was 40-32. to 32. Carr was fantastic. 347 yards, three touchdowns. Waller got a touchdown. But I wanted you to comment on Henry Ruggs third. He had two receptions for 118 yards, one touchdown. It completely changed the look of this team, having him go over the top, opening it up for Waller in the short passing game. What did you see with the performance of Ruggs? Unbelievable and reminded me so much of so many of the fast guys that I've had to cover and, uh, and realized that he's one of these guys that if you don't have safety help in the middle, it's going to be a tough day. And so if, they, if, if a team leaves that safety in the middle all the time, uh, then the quarterback's going to have an awful lot of time to throw because they're not sending enough guys to put pressure on him. Um, Ruggs is fast, and uh, and I think that if he can get the attention uh, of, of two guys and or maybe even more, depending on what he runs, uh, that's going to leave somebody open. And so even though he only had two catches, those two catches were huge. Uh, and after that, of course, everybody was worried about that type of a route, you know, that post route, uh, up route. You know, they're going to have to – Give him the respect um, that the, that that they 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 have to if they if their goal is to stop him, and um, if they do that, then somebody else has got to come open, and so it's going to be um, you know a guessing game really for the defensive coordinator to try and figure out how to stop Rugs and, and how to stop the, the Raider offense because of. Uh, his ability and the things that he causes to happen when he's in the, in the game. Hey, Mike, they're all big games. You played. You're a Hall of Famer. But Absolutely. If, if, I, if I told you that the Raiders could beat Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead, and then Tom Brady to have three and then have to be a four-and-two team, I mean, last one from you, how big is this moment? No one thought that they could go four-and-two with these type of wins as they're rebuilding this roster, they're dealing with COVID, all the injuries that you and I talked about on NFL Radio, on SiriusXM, they're right there. If they can find a way to win this game, I think we'll be talking playoffs the rest of the year. Well, I hope they find a way to win, and, and if they do find a way to win, I don't think they're going to start thinking uh, you know, like it's going to be a cakewalk to the playoffs. At least I hope not. I hope they keep working and getting better. And by the time they get to the playoffs, they've, they've seen everything. They've done everything. Now they're just, they're just playing football. And, uh, you know, the one, one of the toughest things, I think, is when you have to do a lot of thinking. And I, I'll, I'll never forget my first two years in the league, I was always thinking, and I didn't really feel comfortable. Uh, and one of the things I loved about the Raiders was I didn't have to think so much. I just had to cover my man. You know, man-to-man. And so um, right now, I think this will be a great game. And uh, the defensive coordinator has got to bring his A game. And he knows Tom Brady is going to bring his. <laughs> and uh, it will be a chess game. Uh, and, and it will be a game for 60 minutes. This game will not be over until this game is over. No matter who's down, both teams have the ability to come back. And Tom Brady, he definitely, his mindset is, I can do this. I've done it a million times. So it will always be that way, um, you know, for, for the Raiders this season until, until they get to where they really want to get to. Hopefully that's the Super Bowl. Definitely it's a playoff. But I don't think winning, winning beating the, the Tampa Bay team is going to change them. Whoever they play after they play uh, Tampa Bay, I feel sorry for those guys because now they know how good they can be and they, how good they are. And um, so let, let's hope that they win and, and – uh, you know, come out of this game 
with a lot more energy for the rest of the season to keep winning. Mike, it's an honor to know you and work with you. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. All right, JT. Love you, man. Love you too, man. Thank you. How about that? You know, I've been interviewing him, and thanks. You know, you're listening to the Game Plan Podcast. I've been interviewing Mike since I have got hired with the Raiders 22 years ago in some capacity. That's the best I've ever heard him. I mean, that's the best I've ever heard him. He comes in, and, you know, I'm doing this radio show with him Wednesday nights that I hope you can hear on Sirius XM, NFL Radio. And that analysis of where the team is, Brady, and just how calm he was as a player. I'm trying to get a feel for him. What do you do during the game when there's chaos and it's Brady? What does he say? You go to the sideline and figure it out. You go to the sideline with the gentleman Raider, Mike Haynes, and you figure it out. Thanks to Mike Haynes for joining us on the game plan. Well, yeah, Brady and that offense clicked. JT, you know, they got Chris Godwin back, and, of course, Mike Evans has been good, but here comes Gronk. All of a sudden, they're using Gronk a little more. He got his first touchdown. But, you know, the, that was going to take time. You know, the, a new a guy that spent 20 years in a different offense with a bunch of new teammates and a new scheme, uh, they had a they, – it's going to be a gradual rhythm up for that bunch. But when what impressed me the most was their darn defense. Tampa Bay's defense is for real, guys. Because it's 10 nothing Green Bay, and we're going, okay, Aaron Rodgers is going to win another MVP. And all of a sudden, boom, pick six. And a couple plays later, boom, another pick. And it's 14 to nothing, and the Bucks don't look back. And Aaron Rodgers just couldn't get it going. They, they couldn't protect him. Uh, every throw was contested. He didn't have those wide-open receivers for touchdowns. Um, I was impressed also with their defense. And, and that was going to be the key of the game because you're talking about Two great quarterbacks playing. One of those defenses had a step up, and I think it was the Bucs. Touchdown, Las Vegas. Since starting Allegiant some 20 years ago, we've flown more than 100 million people to be with those they love. We're pilots, flight attendants, and technicians. But we're also parents, spouses, and neighbors. And just like you, we're excited to reconnect with the people and places that matter most. That's why we're going the distance for health and safety, on the ground and in the air. Because the further we go now, the safer it'll be to go farther tomorrow. Allegiant, the official airline of the Las Vegas Raiders. Low fares, nonstop flights, only at Allegiant.com. We continue on the game plan with the best, and I mean best guy I could get to break down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's the Bucs sideline guy, also a college football play-by-play host and a guy I've been talking to. We've been colleagues for years. T.J. Reeves joins us. How are you, T.J.? Welcome to the game plan. Well, it is great to be with you, Buccaneers. Raiders coming Sunday night in Vegas, and it, it has been a tremendous week off a win over the Green Bay Packers. I just have one tiny disappointment. I'm not going to be in Vegas with the Bucks to see my man, the Brick, and to see that Palace Allegiant Stadium. But that's, that's just one minor thing that we have to deal with. Let's get the game played, and I think there are a lot of people that are going to be very interested in this one, J.P. Well, this is a big one for, for that reason. It's Sunday night football. It's the marquee game. It's Brady's most likely only appearance ever in Vegas. I expect Vegas is going to get a Super Bowl sooner than later. Maybe Tom sticks around, but... Can you imagine the Buccaneer fan base that would have had this game circled more so than a division rival or any other game? This would have been like a Mardi Gras for the Bucs fans to come out, the Pirates of Tampa in the Bay Area against the Raiders. It would have been unbelievable. And I still think they're coming. I still think their fans are going to be here. I think there will be some there, yes, just to, just to be around the whole scene around the Strip and around everything, if not to be able to get in the stadium, which no one can. But you're right. 
people were pointing to this two years ago, JT, when the team wasn't very good about the first ever game in Las Vegas, and there there were uh, a lot of fans that wondered if it would be the opening game mm-hmm. uh, once Brady came to the Bucks, if it would maybe be the opener uh, at the new Vegas Stadium or not, or would it be an AFC West opponent? So you're right, lots of interest in this one, and things have really cranked up here. After the way the Bucks played against the Packers last week, there is tons of interest now in seeing what this team can do the next game, the game after that, and build on it. Well, what fascinates me, TJ, is this game, the Raiders are coming off not only their best game of the year, but one of their biggest regular season wins in years. And they beat Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl champs, and they did it convincingly at Arrowhead. Carr gets his first win there, so that was huge. But the Buccaneers, I think from the second through the fourth quarter, played one of the greatest games of the year. Walk our listeners through what happened after Green Bay was leading 10-0, and then Tampa just blew them out of the building. Yeah, absolutely. You summed it up. And this comes off of a bad performance in Chicago 10 days earlier on a Thursday night game. So they were stewing about that. The Packers, as you mentioned, jump out 10-0. I'm in the lower bowl of the stadium working the operational zone. We did have fans. There were about 15,000 fans socially distance allowed to be there. A lot of them were Packer fans, JT, Mm -hmm. that were roaring on those first two drives. And you're thinking, man, are they just going to hammer the Bucs the way they did the Falcons their previous game? Or is Tampa Bay going to do something about it? And the whole script flipped around when Jamel Dean, outstanding cover corner, third-year guy, stepped in front of Devontae Adams and took off on that interception return. That wasn't the whole game, but that was a stick of dynamite. And from there... The Bucks were energized. Brady was efficient. Brady ended up completing 13 passes in a row in the second quarter after that. Uh, the team just locked in and put 28 points up on the board. And the defense, I'm not saying they are the 2002 Buccaneers that won the Super Bowl, and you know who they won it against with mm-hmm. Sapp and Brooks and Lynch and Barber and all those guys. I'm not saying they are, but they played like that defense. Hungry aggressive sacks, takeaways. That's what that reminded me of. And and I I am at a loss going back a decade to find another game where the Bucs played that well and dominated that good of a team scoring 38 unanswered points. That is no exaggeration here on the game plan with my man JT. You can't find another game in the last 10 years when the Bucs played that well against a good team for the final three quarters like they did against the Bucs. That is critical in this analysis of the Buccaneers at the Raiders is how did Tampa Bay wake up to the point where they looked as great as they could ever look, and how did the Raiders match up with them? And I want to start with the Bucs' defense. What's the story with this defense? They, the stats are overwhelming. They can stop the rush. They sack. And Dominican Sue was nasty. Take me from the front all the way through these great young linebackers and what they do on the back end. Yeah, so they got the Dominican Sue in the middle, and then on the outside, Shaq Barrett, who led the NFL in sacks a year ago. He's been a bit quiet here and there. Be careful, Raider fans. He might want to break out on Sunday night football off the right end. Jason Pierre-Paul, the former Giant, Still with the high motor, he had one and a half sacks on Sunday, was making some big plays. And the Bucks have two fantastic linebackers. Levante David, who is one of my favorites, JT, has been with this franchise now for nine years, never been in a playoff game, been through one coaching change after another. Fantastic attitude. Tremendous work ethic. And he once again showed up Sunday, tackles for loss, sacks. And then the second-year linebacker, the former number one pick, 
Devin White out of LSU. The Bucks are tremendous in that front seven with those guys. They've got a fairly young secondary, not a ton of experience, only a couple, three years experience between the most experienced ones. But the strength is definitely the front seven, and they played menacing D on Sunday. What is the scheme overall? Is it one that is evolving? Is it one that's got a signature to it? Because, again, the defensive pass rush blew me away. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Sue was just mocking him. I would almost say happy feet (laughs) at one point. And then again, the speed. The speed as as this team, the Buccaneers, gang tackles. And you're right about Devin White. What a player. To, To get him out of LSU. He's only 22 years old, and he's just going to, I think, evolve into one of the premier linebackers in all of football. Agreed, and it, it was Todd Bowles' blitzing scheme, and, yes. and they've been blitzing around 40%, something like that, but Sunday it was like 60% of the plays because they started smelling blood. And when, I mean, this, this is amazing. Again, it's only one game, but when was the last time that Aaron Rodgers was benched in the fourth quarter of a game that they were just being blown out in because they were afraid of how many times he had been hit and didn't want him to get hurt for the rest of the year. They waved the white flag, JT, with like nine minutes left in the fourth quarter without Rodgers in the game anymore. So uh, Bowles' defense will definitely bring the blitz against Carr early on. They were disguising coverages. They did some things that Green Bay had not seen. Well, now we've sh- you know, you've now shown them in the Packers game. Let's see if the Raiders and Carr and Gruden and company can adjust. T.J. Reeves, the Bucs sideline guy, what's the perception of the Raiders? I mean, the Raiders beat New Orleans, a team that Tampa Bay is going to have to fight all the way down to the wire. The Raiders just beat Patrick Mahomes and the Silver and Black are coming off a bye week. Well, the perception is the Raiders are obviously good. Uh, we know about Carr because the last time the Raiders were here, Carr led the comeback and won the overtime game here in the, in the Raiders' playoff year in 2016. So, uh, there's no doubt they can run the football with Jacobs. So this is going to be a tough test. Now, I say that, and, and the Buccaneers have been, really since the middle of last year, the best team against the run in the NFL. And it, and it again, starts with that defensive line in the front seven. It will not be easy for the Raiders to run on the Buccaneers Sunday night. And then if they can get uh, Derek Carr into third and medium and third and long over and over again, it is time to lick the chops and bring that pass rush, and let's see if Carr is up to the challenge. I think the offensive line, the Raiders' defense kind of woke up in their last game, and they're getting a little bit of a better pass rush. And, you know, Rod Marinelli, well, him being on the defensive line. So he'll have have the juice going. Gruden's going to have the juice going. And they have Henry Ruggs III and Waller that are going to try to spread out, I believe, this Tampa Bay defense that comes at you in swarms. But I think this comes down to the Brady story again. And as I've said all week on radio, into the Game Plan podcast, this, to me, is about Brady. He's the greatest quarterback of all time, no debate. And what he does great is he changes the play very quietly. It's not an Omaha, Omaha like Manning back in the day. It's Brady going to the line, saying, oh, it's like a robot. He looks over and he says, okay, I got a 61%, 43%, 70% there. And he just goes to the player who's open. You're the Buccaneers sideline guy. You've been doing this a while. Have you ever seen anything like this guy dating back to New England on how he just throws to receivers who are wide open? Yeah, and it's, it's amazing, and that's why he's going to be a, an immediate unanimous Hall of Famer whenever he's done, and we hope that's two or three years from now in Tampa Bay. And you saw it again Sunday 
And Sunday was the day where all the critics, you know, all the experts, I, I keep saying this, we all do this for a living, we're all in this together, but we've got so many pundits, so many keyboard warriors that want to write that Brady doesn't have it anymore or Rob Gronkowski doesn't have it anymore. Well, that looked like Brady and Gronk from New England to me. I don't know about you, JT. I don't know about your fans, everybody else that was watching. Boy, did he lay that ball into Gronkowski on the on the touchdown throw in the second quarter, in that 28-point second quarter. And you're right about changing the play, finding the open guy. And, again, most people that play fantasy football have known the name Chris Godwin the last couple of years as the complimentary receiver to Mike Evans. They both clocked for 1,000 yards last year. When this team has both of those guys in there, and Godwin has been hurt with a hamstring injury before the Green Bay game, he was out for three games. When they're both in there with Gronk, with Cameron Brait, uh, another good pass-catching tight end, good luck. How many can you double-team? Who do you want to pick to double-team and try to take away? And Brady has just done a tremendous job of finding the open guys. And there was one more image that struck me, and I want to share this with you and your audience, that it was about five minutes left in the game. Brady had gotten out of the game, and we had the backup Lane Gabbert in. And he and Gronk were over on the sideline, and Gronk is battling a bit of a, a right shoulder injury but still played through it and played well. They're laughing. They're, they're joking, they're standing there, and I'm standing and watching that from the front row in the operational zone going, how many times did these two guys do that in New England where they just wasted the other team and they're standing and joking in the fourth quarter with five, six, seven minutes left? It probably happened 20-plus times yeah. in New England. It was just great to see that on Sunday night against a good Packer team that may end up winning 12 or 13 games. It was good to see that because they were in Buccaneer colors doing that, J.T. Yeah, I think, I think it's arguably the most impressive win of the year I've seen. I've watched most of these games, and the way they turned that game around was incredible. As we say goodbye, I want to tell you, I was with my wife on Saturday, and we were going out to dinner in Vegas, and I heard you and Tiki Barber on the call for the <laughs> Alabama-Georgia game. You were the play-by-play voice for Alabama-Georgia, the same in the conspiracy theory, the troopers take him in, He's my, there's no COVID, he's going to coach. Congratulations on that. I was in the car with my wife in Vegas saying, listen to my buddy and how good he is. You knocked it out of the park. Thank you. You have you have uh, buttered me up. Very kind words. Tiki Barber makes it easy. And we have a blast with our friends on Compass Media doing these NCAA football games. Uh, it has been a weird year with trying to find games that we can work. Uh, the Alabama-Georgia game was obviously pointed to as a, as a massively important game, and I was privileged to be there, Tiki, uh, as well. They had some fans. They had about 19,000 fans socially distanced in that 95,000-seat stadium uh, there the other night. So Alabama looked great. It was a blast to call it, and thank you for the kind words. You're very kind, and some others heard it, too, on Compass Media Networks, and we keep rolling along with college football on Saturdays and Buccaneers on Sunday, and the Bucks and the Raiders cannot wait for Sunday night, JJ. It's a big game. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for joining us on the game plan. Anything for the brick, and let's see what happens Sunday. There he is, everybody. TJ Reeves, really appreciate him. Fantastic. Uh, you know what I'm proud of with this podcast is we just don't slot people in. We get you the people that are going to give you the knowledge, and I'd like you to share this podcast, especially on game day. So it's Sunday, the game's Sunday night. You listen to it on Friday, Saturday, Saturday night. You say, that was really good information on the Buccaneers defense, or you like the guest. Just tweet it. Put it out on Twitter. Put it on your Facebook. Share it. And keep it going here on the game plan. Thanks to the Buccaneers sideline guy. How good was he? T.J. Reeves. Whoever's out there, that's who's out there. Nobody cares about this or that. They just see the win-loss, and that's all that matters in this business. So... With that said, we came in with the mindset today, you're like, oh, dang, 
you feel bad for those guys. You know, you, you, you feel for them, you pray for them, make sure they're okay, make sure their families are okay, all those kind of things. But at the same time, we have a job to do while we're here. So you have to compartmentalize a little bit. You have to separate the two once you step on the field. And hey, we have to act like this is game day. We have to act like this is the group we're rolling out with, so get ready to play. So as we wrap up the game plan for the Tampa Bay edition, this is a fluid podcast. A lot's happened this week, especially the Trent Brown news with COVID concerns, the offensive line being sent home multiple days and not practicing. Will the game be played Sunday night? Could it be moved? It's all fluid. And all I can tell you is just follow the Raiders on the app. Just have the Raiders app open. Follow the Raiders on all social media, Facebook, especially Twitter, Snapchat, wherever you get your information. And if there's anything that changes since you downloaded this podcast, which we greatly appreciate it, you'll get the breaking news first at Raiders.com. For everyone at Silver and Black Productions, I'm JT. Big game for the Raiders. We'll preview the Cleveland Browns next week on The Game Plan. Thank you for listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network.